today I want to tell you a story of two men. This happened after the resurrection. The first man was named Cornelius. He was an officer in the Roman army, a centurion in charge of a hundred or so men. He lived in Caesarea, the political capital of Judea, under Herod and the Romans. In his life, he led his family to revere God. He gave money generously to those who needed it. He was a person of prayer. He honored the Lord in his heart and in his actions. He was an upright man who was well spoken of by the religious Jews who knew him. We don't know much else about him in concrete details, but we could guess a few things. He was probably a person who was used to giving orders and having them followed. While we don't know his thoughts on the Roman Empire, we know that that empire was often an oppressive, antagonistic system to its subjects. His livelihood was made from working to keep those who would rebel, like the Jewish population, in line. This was occupied territory, and Cornelius would have been there to keep the peace. Yet his side had all the power and control, and anything could happen at any time. For all he had, though, when I think of Cornelius, I think of him as being on the outside. He is not Jewish, thus he is not allowed to truly be part of the synagogue life that is central to those who are devout. He believes in Yahweh and is doing what he thinks is best by attempting to live a good life before him. But he's not allowed to be part of the people of God because he was born Gentile. One wonders if he ever longed to be part of that community as a full participant who was welcomed and accepted. I picture him watching his neighbors as from an outside window and then going and doing what he thought was right. One day while Cornelius was praying, the Lord sent an angel to talk to him. He spoke to Cornelius by name, which of course terrified him. The angel told him, Cornelius, your faithfulness has been noticed by God. Through regular prayer and almsgiving, God was paying attention. God was acknowledging how Cornelius was seeking him and was showing compassion to those in need. Maybe to some who might be on the outside, like him. He was directed by an angel to send some men to go to a place called Joppa, a couple of days' journey away, and bring back a man who was staying there at the home of a local tanner. Cornelius does this right away. The second man, the man being retrieved, was Peter, with whom we are more familiar. Peter, the outspoken disciple of Jesus, who always wanted to be the first to answer questions, who didn't let many opportunities to be faithful, passed him by. Peter, who denied Jesus after his arrest, who found forgiveness with the risen Lord and was given a mandate to help grow the church with the other apostles. While Cornelius was having an angel visitation, Peter was also having a supernatural experience while he was praying on a rooftop. He had a vision of the heavens opening and a large sheet being lowered to him and on this sheet were all kinds of four-footed creatures reptiles and birds of the air 
a voice came out of nowhere and told Peter to rise and to kill and to eat. And Peter said, no, God, never. I have never violated the Jewish law around eating unclean animals. Three times, God asks. Kind of a pattern in Peter's life. (laughs) Peter said, no. And the Lord said, Peter, you must not call unclean what I have made. Changes afoot. The Lord is risen. When Peter is working all of this out in his mind, the men whom Cornelius had sent arrive, and the Lord tells Peter, You have visitors, and you need to go down and you need to greet them, and you are to go with them without hesitation because they are being sent to you on purpose. So the men invite Peter to come to Cornelius' house to hear what it is that Peter would tell them about the Lord. Now, Peter is a person who has been raised on the inside of his religion. He has been taught to fear God, to observe the laws. He knows the sacred writings. He was chosen by Jesus to be a disciple. And he helps the church now grow as Jesus has gone back to heaven. And his community is trying to figure out who are we going to be? How Jewish are we going to be? As we proclaim the risen Christ. So far the good news has spread a bit. And now has come to the home of Cornelius, the Gentile. Now the stage has been set for these two men to meet. Two people who come from completely different worlds with opposite kinds of pedigrees. Cornelius is a Roman citizen with all of the rights afforded him. In his position, he can wield power however he chooses. Peter does not have privilege from his family nor wealth that allows him power. He is a respected leader of what would be seen as a small offshoot of Judaism. Because these two have never met, they're on unknown terrain as to what to expect from the other. If centurions and Christians had ever interacted much, it would have maybe not been in favorable circumstances. So it's intriguing for us to think about an officer in the Roman army waiting for a Jewish disciple to hear what he has to say about God. When Peter gets there, Cornelius falls at his feet as if in worship. He must have been so overwhelmed that God would send someone to him to teach him. Cornelius, remember, is a man who's feared and obeyed, but he has so much awe and respect for God and for his people that maybe he feels unworthy to be visited by one belonging to the Lord. Maybe this shows us how outside the faith he is, that he falls to his knees in gratitude and honor. Peter says, no, 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 get up. I am not the Lord, I am just a man. Furthermore, Peter wants to highlight what he has been learning, that being on the inside doesn't make him better than Cornelius. 
When Peter enters the house, he finds that Cornelius has assembled a group together. And Peter explains to him, In my religion, it's not lawful for me to be here. I can't really, I'm not allowed really to go inside your house or to have much to do with Gentiles. But the Lord has told me to not call anything unclean that he has made. You see, Peter gets the point that it isn't about animals and what we eat and what we don't eat. It's about people. That we don't call anyone unclean or disgusting that the Lord has made. So Peter says, Cornelius, why have you brought me here as he enters the house? And Cornelius describes the angel visitation. And then he tells Peter, we're all here. We've been waiting for you. We're gathered together. Remember, people, there are no cell phones. They don't know when Peter's going to get there, right? So who knows how long they've been waiting. They're just waiting Because the Lord is bringing a message directly to them. And I just think if Cornelius knows he's part of something that is life-changing, he wants to bring in as many people as he can. So let us read what Peter says to those assembled that day in Acts 34. 10, 10, 34. Then Peter began to speak to them. I truly understand that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. You know the message he sent to the people of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That message spread throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John announced. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. How he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. We are witnesses to all that he did, both in Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and allowed him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who were chosen by God as witnesses, and who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one ordained by God as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Peter's message is pretty simple in nature if you stop to think about it. There's no PowerPoint, there aren't big illustrations, not a lot of drama, just the story of Jesus. The gospel doesn't need anything added to it. What needs to be shared is who God is. What he's done, what we've been witnesses to, Peter shared, God sent Jesus to preach peace to his people. Peace, relevant then, relevant today, how much the world needs shalom. Because humanity is plagued with lack of peace in our hearts and our minds. 
in our relationships, in our homes, in our places of work, in government, in nations. Much of this lack of peace stems from lack of forgiveness and festering feelings of shame and pride and hatred and evil. And Jesus came to do away with those things and bring a peace that cannot be understood apart from who he is and what he has done for creation for all time. Peter also emphasizes that Jesus is Lord of all. Peter gives witness to what he's seen with his own eyes, that Jesus was anointed by God and went about by the Holy Spirit, doing good and healing many, dying on a cross, and God raising him on the third day, allowing him to appear and to share life with those who would then take the message everywhere they went, to preach and to testify that everyone who believes in Jesus will have forgiveness of sins, including Cornelius and those assembled. There's a third player, of course, in the story. God himself has brought these two very different men together, two men who were both seeking God in the middle of their day, both praying, asking for what he might have for them, worshiping him in their own understanding of who they knew him to be, A reminder to us that prayer is not a rote activity, but where the Lord speaks to us and directs us. It is the resurrection of Christ that allows Cornelius to be included in the community of faith. A longing he might have had since he was living out God's truth with no connection to anybody else. It is the resurrection of Christ that allows Peter to see for the first time how there is no partiality. You see, Peter gets to step outside the Jewish law to see the one who fulfilled that law so that everybody gets to be part of the family. He understands in a new way that there are those in every nation that fear God and try to live justly and with mercy. God has intervened so that both of these men might receive grace. And that grace, once received, then allows the church to move forward another step to being what the Lord needs the church to be in the world. There are legions of people who are outside the church today, looking in the window, hoping to get a glimpse, a real glimpse of God. They try to be good people, honest in their dealings. They pray, they hunger for God's presence, but they aren't always invited in. They're not always part of a larger community, sometimes because they don't want to be. I get that. But sometimes because nobody thinks to invite them. The message of the resurrection of Christ is simply that all who seek him are welcome. He will meet them and wants to use those who already know him to bring life to them. You see, Cornelius' experience shows us that God is listening. God is always listening to the prayers of those who honestly want to know him, who honestly wonder what all of this Jesus stuff 
is about. It shows us that he transcends any human idea of how the church should work. Wanting to bring together all different kinds of people who would never dream of connecting in everyday life. This is the message of the resurrection. To bring together disparate people from all places and make them family. There are legions of people inside the church today, like Peter was, living devout lives, wanting to please God, being faithful, but they're not aware of the people who are pressing their noses against the window, who are trying to get a glimpse of God. Maybe they're not interested. Maybe some of the lifestyles of the people who are out there offend And then we forget how Jesus broke all kinds of social and cultural norms associating with people the religious leaders absolutely did not consider acceptable. Sometimes they, we, don't know what to do with people who are in power, like Cornelius. Sometimes when people are in a system that routinely subjugates those who live on the margin, and we think, oh, how can those people find Christ? God is the main character here because he's pushing Peter to see the landscape of the world as he does. That all who would come are welcome. That all who would come are equally loved at the foot of the cross. Whether we are in grace or whether we are in disgrace. The only barrier is the heart of the person who would accept the gospel. The only barrier is the heart of the people who are inside who don't invite who don't show who Jesus is. The invitation is for all. That is the message of the resurrection. So a Jewish fisherman and a Roman soldier become brothers in Christ. Maybe even friends. They are bound together by the God of all ages who has orchestrated this meeting and this connection And whatever they thought about one another before, or people who were like them before, doesn't matter. As much as what they do with one another now, moving forward, this is what the cross does. Cornelius' conversion allows the church to go into places it never could have gone before. The places where Cornelius could go, Peter could never reach. Think about where the gospel went. A Roman centurion now takes the spirit of God in a new way as he leads his men. As he keeps order in a hotbed of dissent. As he guides his family. As he welcomes his neighbors. As Peter tells the simple gospel story we read in the next few verses. The Holy Spirit comes on the whole group. And it says... Those who were on the inside were astounded by the fact that God's power had been poured out even on the Gentiles. It's a new day. Is there anyone that God won't offer saving grace to? Their hearts are seeking to receive it? No, there is not. The resurrection of Christ has given the world a priceless gift of life and true community. 
So if you've come today and you are feeling on the outside of God's family, I want to tell you that his life is for you too. No matter what you've done or where you've been, or maybe even how the church has hurt you, Christ invites you to be part of his life. He has created you and died for you, and he lives again so that you might know how much you are loved. There is a whole new realm of possibility open for you. Cornelius' story shows God is listening and wants to draw you close. If you have come today being an an insider, I encourage you to continue to look outside the walls and the windows. Outside your places of deep belonging and loving community to those who are hungering for God's life to be made real to them. Our goal is not to invite people to church, but to invite people to know Jesus, the risen one of God. He wants a relationship with everyone and wants us to want a relationship with everyone. So is there someone in your life that you have a hard time associating with, thinking that they would never really be part of Jesus' life? Is there someone in your life that you think doesn't deserve the gospel? Ask the Holy Spirit to direct you, to show you who it is that he wants you to talk to. See, those on the inside should be expecting that those on the outside are seeking God. That he is drawing them close in his grace. And if he has been nudging you to talk to somebody, he's going to keep nudging you. Don't ignore it. I encourage you to talk to that person. This Easter Sunday, we recognize that the Spirit of God is always at work. That he is showing up in places that we cannot imagine. So his love might continue to be real to those who need it. So let us give glory to the one who lives and reigns forevermore. Trusting in his surprising mercy for all of us. Let us pray.